going into a series uh, that starts this week, and then it'll, I think it continues through the next four weeks, on healthy relationships. You know, the theme for the year for DC Church is uh, that we might have better days ahead. Well, this healthy relationships goes in direct correlation to that. that we can have. We need to have healthy re- relationships if we expect to ever be able to have better days ahead. That those better relationships, healthy relationships, can come to a married couple, to a single person. They can come to millennials or boomers or busters or anybody else that may be out there. They can come to us, and we can find greater days, better days, healthy relationships to figure out what to do with our lives. So let's start off this series properly with this sermon today. As I said, the title of the the series is Healthy Relationships. The title of this message today is I Am a Friend of God. I believe that God wants to show you that He desires to be your friend. Matthew 20 2 verses 37 through 40 in the Message Bible said, Jesus said, now I want you to notice in this passage both the relationship to God and the relationship to our fellow man. And that's how you can have healthy relations. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But the second thing, but there is a second to set alongside it, love others as well as you love yourself. Actually, there's a third thing there. Did you notice that? He said, love God. He said, love others. But he said, love yourself. I think a lot of us miss that part right there, that it says that we are to love ourselves. Now, in America, that's usually not a problem. We really love ourselves. But I believe with all of my heart that that there are people, even here today, you may not love yourself. You may not have high esteem of yourself. You You may live in such a place that you feel so downtrodden and so beaten down. God says, I want you to to love others as you love yourself. These two commandments are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs on them. And then 1 Timothy 6.21 says, Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. They have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Now, you may know a lot of things. You may be be intelligent. You may know a lot of things. You may know know the stock market quotes. I mean, you may know where it is right now and what it will be tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. You'll know what it is. You may know sports scores. I do know the Cardinals got beat again yesterday, so I was not happy to to, uh, find that out. But uh, you may know a lot of things. You may know. You may have some celebrities that you know. Or you may. You may have a, a lot of people that you know. You may be one of these that just knows everybody. But the question that you need to ask yourself is this: Do you really and truly know Jesus Christ? Not who He is, or not what someone else told you, but do you really know Jesus? Let us pray. Father, I ask you right now to speak to hearts. And as I have sat in this second service this morning, I have, I don't know, I have just felt somber. I have felt uh, just a drawing to you and felt that there are people here that that are hurting. 
there are people here that have such low self-esteem. I don't know who it is. Don't know anything about these people. But I know that there are people here that really don't love themselves and they don't qualify. They, they, in their own minds, they don't qualify to be a friend of God. Would you speak to us and open our hearts to say, I want to be God's friend. Amen. Do you ever have those friends, quote, friends that say, you know, we're there for you. If you ever need us, call on us. And you knew immediately that they would not be there for you. You knew that you could call on them and they'd say, well, I, I don't have time right at the moment. I'll be there tomorrow, but it's too late. Or did you have those friends that, you, you know, you were casual acquaintances with them. They were, they were good friends, but they're not people that you hung out with a lot. And then did you ever have those friends? And I, I think there are relatively few in our life that are close, that you know that if you ever have a problem, you can call on them in the midnight hour and they will come running. I mean, some people say, well, I, you know, I can't get my family up. I don't want to wake up. I, you know, it's too much trouble. But you have those friends that just say, I'll be there for you, and you know it. That's the kind of friend that God wants to be in your life. Let me ask you, let me ask you a few questions this morning. I want you to answer yourself these, about these questions. How, how do I become a friend of God? How can I become God's best friend? How does that happen? Uh, does God really want to be my friend? I mean, I have trouble with that, preacher. I, I have trouble thinking that God wants to be my friend. Or what kind of relationship does God really want with you? Does he, does he want a relation that the, you know, the deitists? Uh, I know I, I, re, I remember call, recalling about Thomas Jefferson, one of our former leaders of, of our nation was a deitist, and what he believed by that is that, yes, God created us, but then after that, he left us on our own to do our own thing. Is that the kind of relationship that God wants with us as, as from a distance to just, you know, let us do our own thing and never be involved in our lives? Well, I believe that the God of this universe, the God who created the world, wants to be your friend. He wants to be someone that you can call on in the midnight hour and know that he will answer. Now, I've got a lot of friends that, that I could call. I could call my wife, you know. I, I could call her and say, babe, I'm desperate. I've got to have some help. But there are times that I can't get a hold of her. She forgot her phone or it's, it's the, the battery's gone down on it or she's not where she can hear it or whatever it may be. So there may be times like that, but aren't you glad? And I'm here to tell you today, you can never, ever call on God when he won't be there for you. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I, whenever it may be, God will always be there because he is your father. Your relationship with God takes on many aspects. He's your creator, your savior, your father, your master, your Lord, your redeemer, your Savior, and yes, he's your healer, and then a lot more. But I want you to stop and think this morning that he also desires to be a friend unto you. So that's my first idea, my first thought. God wants to be your friend. That may sound overly simple, but to understand this kind of relationship, we need to go back 
to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were there, they had such a close relationship with God. I mean, they, they, they literally would sit down and just, just chit-chat with God, I believe. Now, let me use modern vernacular and put it into something we can better understand than thinking about, well, you know, way back there, I don't know what it was like. Well, let's say that God picked up his cell phone one day and sent Adam and Eve a text. And he said, hey, I, I've just made some homemade ice cream. That sounds good. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but let's say God does call up Adam and Eve. I just made some homemade ice cream, and I want you to come over. Let's just sit down and visit for a while. You say, that, that's foolish. That's not the relationship. I, I believe it was. I believe they had that kind of a relationship because they were God's friends. But you see, something happened. When they partook of the forbidden fruit, sin entered in, and that relationship, that close relationship with God was severed. I mean, what a heartbreak that was. And we can look back on Adam and Eve and we can say, you know, shame on them. But had we been there, we would probably have done the same thing. That's human nature to want to go the wrong way. But here is the thing. God intended for this relationship that he had with Adam and Eve to continue on down through the centuries. He intended to have that relationship with you, but because of sin, that possibility was severed. But I will tell you later that that relationship has been restored, that we can have a personal friend-to-friend -friend relationship with God Almighty. Now, God had those special friends, and A Abraham was one of those. In James 2, uh, 23, the scripture was fulfilled, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What a, what a thrill that would have been, Abraham. Now, you've got to understand, Abraham was not this perfect saint walking around. Abraham was born into idolatry. Where he was born in the world was an idolatrous. They did not have any relationship with Yahweh or God. They were idol worshipers. Plus, Abraham was a liar. I mean, we read in the story, even after he accepted God and knew God, had a relationship with him, he, he lied. So Abraham was not this perfect saint walking around. And that's why God said, you're my friend. You may say, well... I don't qualify. I don't qualify. I could never be God's friend because I've done all kinds of things. As Josh was talking here during that song, I, I thought, go for it, man. There, there, I, there could be someone in this room that you have been abused as, as, a, as a child, and, and especially as a young lady, you were, you were abused sexually, physically, verbally. Maybe you've been told you're worthless, you're stupid, you're, you're no good for anything. Have you ever been told that? I, I, you go into store, you go into Walmart, you go into the grocery store, wherever it may be, and you hear parents screaming at their kids, get over here, you stupid little brat, you don't know anything, you're so dumb. And, and man, that, that affects those kids. Don't ever do that, folks, please. Don't ever do that. 
lift your kids up and encourage them and tell them that they can be successful at whatever they choose to do. God has ordained it that way. But I want you to know that, that God wants to be your best friend. Even with, let's follow the line of Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is telling us there that we can have the same blessings that Abraham had. So, do what I believe you can be called a friend of God. I can be called a friend of God. Every one of us can be friends of God and have that close relationship with Him where if we need Him, we can call on Him at any time. As a matter of fact, do me a favor. I want you to turn to your neighbor on your left or on your right, and I want you to turn to that person and say, you can be God's bestest friend. That's kid talk, okay? You can be God's bestest friend. You know, can't you hear a little child saying that? You're my bestest friend. That's the way it is. You can be the best friend of God. You can love Him with all of your heart. Number two is the ultimate purpose and why we were born and created is to know Him and to love Him. Well, I, I thought I was born to have fun. I thought I was born to, to have a good time. I thought I was born to make money and get rich and have a nice home and nice clothes. All of those things are good. All of those things are fine. I'm not putting them down at all. But God put you on this earth to know Him and to love Him and to show others how to know Him and love Him. Hosea 6.6 6 says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. That sounds like a God who really means something, that he means what he says. I want to know you. You say, I don't, I, I've never thought about it that way, preacher. I've never imagined it that way, that God specifically wants to know me. Yeah, he does. He wants to be your friend. He wants to love you and care for you. Acts 17, 26 through 27 in the uh, Message Bible says, starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hostile uh, with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God. And not just to grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. Isn't that beautiful? He's not some God that lives off there in the wild spaces and we have to just put our hand, when we pray, we have to put our hand just so-so and say, oh, the most holy Father. You know what I mean? But we have to do it just so perfect and have to use such dignified words. Guys, can I tell you, there are times I just say, hey, God, I need help. God, I'm miserable. I'm I just feel like a failure. I just talked to him what's on my heart. And that you can only do that to a true friend. There are friends that you can tell everything. And you know they'll keep it private. There are others that you don't tell them anything. But God, I can pour my heart out to him. And I can tell him my deepest hurts. My deepest problems. I can tell God what I have just experienced this week. 
God, I had a rough week. I had a bad week. I, God, I just, everything went wrong in my life. God, I don't, you can tell God all about it. And he won't hide from you. I, a friend of ours is, is Tommy Tinney, and I think he preached for you here some months ago. And I heard him in a sermon that he preached said that when his girls were younger, he would play hide and seek with them. And he said when he played hide and seek with them, he'd always, when it was his time to hide, he would always leave an arm or a leg out so that they could find him easily. And, the, and, it, and he, Tommy Tenney went ahead to say that that's the way God is. Now, in Tommy's vernacular, he, God will always leave an arm and a leg out for you to find easily. Why? Because God wants to have such a close relationship with you that he is not far beyond our reach. He's right there every time we call on him, every time we need him. He is there for us. He is there to reach out to you in your darkest hour when, when you know you're not worthy, when you have failed, when you have fallen, when you have messed up royally. He is there. In the Old Testament, most of the things that you read are based on fear and, and guilt. You know, you, you know, there's just so much there in the Old Testament. And I'm not knocking the Old Testament, but that is true. And so we, it was more common than love and, and fellowship and friendship. And you may live that same way. You may feel like that God is standing there ready to pound you on the head every time you make a mistake. Every time you falter, God's right there with his big club and he is just ready to beat you over the head and say you're so stupid and you're so dumb. But Danny Gokey, I love the song that, that he sings, and the, the second verse says, um, rumor has it, there's a gavel in my hand I'm only, that I'm only here to condemn. And that's the attitude that some people have about God. They think that, that God is this mean, hateful God, and that he just, he looks for an opportunity to pound on you. Can I tell you something? That's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve will overlook your failures. He will love you in the midst of your failures. And the God that I serve has chosen to love you even when you say, but this has happened to me. That has happened to me. Women, maybe you have lived in abusive relationships. You were knocked around or you were abused verbally. And one of the things that I have noticed is that women who have lived in abusive situations, when they get in another situation, they will almost always find themselves right back in that same kind of relationship. And I think a lot of it has to do with they think, that's all that I deserve. I am no good. I am stupid. I am ugly. I am of uh, 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 nothing. I'm just nobody. Women, let me tell you something. I want you to know this. You are a child of the Most High God, and in being a child of the Most High God, nobody has a right to look down on you. If you have been abused, it's time to break out of those shadows. It's time to break loose from those chains and say, I am a friend of God, and I will no longer live in that kind of abuse. That is not your, you don't have to live that way. You do not have to live that way. So how can I become a friend of God? 
four ways. Number one, make knowing God your number one priority. Philippians 3.8 says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. That's the message interpretation of it, and they just get pretty blunt sometimes. But you see, folks, everything else in this world will fade. Everything else will falter. My dad and, and my mom, my dad, if you ever heard of the Blancet Auction Company, it was years and years ago, my, my dad and uncle were, had, were, had an auction business together. They were in business together until 1958. They were making big money back then, and I've heard my dad tell this story. They were making big money back then, but God began to speak to my dad and said, I want you out of the auction business to become a full-time pastor. Dad made all kinds of excuses. I can't do that. Why? We can't survive. So, but God kept dealing with him, and he came to my mom one day, and he said, I have to tell you something. He said, I'm going to leave the auction business. We're going to go into full-time ministry. She said, I want you to be in the will of God more than anything else. And he said, now, you got to understand. He said, you're not going to be able to now to go to the store every time you want it and buy whatever you want because we're not going to have the money to do that. The church said, we'll pay you $50 a week at that time. That was my mom, my dad, myself, and my brother. We'll pay you $50 a week. Guarantee that. God gave it up. Dad gave it up to follow Jesus. And because of that, my dad, upon his passing, there were hundreds at his memorial service, and he was revered in the city of Nixon because he lived for God, and he was so blessed. God was his best friend. I'd rather make God my priority and make God number one in my life. A.W. Tozer made a statement, an old preacher from years ago made a statement one time that said, you are as close to God as you want to be. And I thought about that, and I thought, wait, hold. Then I looked at it. That's true. I am as close to God as I want to be. I, can be. I can be far away, or I can be close to God. It is my choice. Second way is to slow down and be quiet. Sometimes from our fast-paced world, we just have to take some time alone and be with God. Just read His Word or pray or spend time with God. Psalms 46.10 in the New Living Testament says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Psalms 25.14 in the Message Bible says, God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones He confides in. You see, sometimes, folks, you've got to just take some time and slow down. You got, you said, but I don't, I don't know how to, how can God and I have this personal relationship that you're talking about, preacher? I mean, God's somebody big up there, and I'm a nobody. Can I tell you, you and God can have a close, intimate relationship, and there are specifically two ways. That's by reading His Word 
when you read God's Word, you're reading God's love letter to you. God is able to communicate with you through His Word. And then when you pray, you are communicating with God. Do you understand that? I've heard people say, well, God told me this, and, 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 and I've said that. I've said many times, God, I believe God spoke this to my spirit. But I have never heard an audible voice from God. Have any of you ever heard a God speak in an audible fashion you have over here? Anyone else? Anyone? I never have. I'm, I don't feel bad that he hasn't. I'm just, and I do believe that God can speak audibly. But I've never heard God speak audibly. It's just in that still, small voice in my spirit that, that says that this is what I want you to do. But most of the time, God speaks to me through his Bible, through the Holy Bible that I can read and, and I can gain intimate fellowship with God and I can see his heart. How can I know God will answer my prayers if I don't know that the Bible tells me that God will answer my prayers? How can I know that God will heal me if I don't know that God in the Bible says that he's the healer? You say, well, I go to church and I, I hear from my preacher. That's not enough. That's not going to build that close relationship, that close friendship with God. You've got to read his word and then you've got to just spend some time in prayer with God. I know that many of you are uh, businessmen. You may be a farmer. You may be a doctor. You may be a lawyer. You don't have time. Sometimes as, as preachers who are full-time, we have more time to spend in prayer, and God understands that. You don't have that. But if you could just spend 10 minutes in prayer, 15 minutes in prayer, and say, God, I just want you to know I love you today. I want you to know you're my hero and you're my best friend. Just tell him what you feel and slow down and, 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 and listen to God and just pray and then read his word and say, God, give me something. I'm not talking about going to these. Remember these old promise boxes they used to have? You'd go in and you'd get your word from God for the day. I never did like that. It didn't mean a whole lot because you need to get into the word and hear what God has to say to you. And you will be surprised at how God speaks even in our modern days. Thirdly, the way to become a friend of God is, is to choose friendship with God or friendship with the world. Or another way to say that is choose friendship with God over friendship with the world. I'm not telling you that you can't love the world, that, that we need, we, we've got to love the world. We've got to love people in the world. I'm, tell, I'm not telling you that if you're a Christian, you have to be this serious-minded person. You can never have fun. You can never laugh. and You can never go here and never go there and never do this, never do that. That's not, that's not what God is wanting to get across to us. God is saying, enjoy life, have fun, but put me first. Put me first, and I'll make everything you do more enjoyable. I, I remember when Baseball was, was number one in my life. I, I love sports, still do to this day, and I still love baseball to this day. But I love playing baseball. was fortunate enough to play against uh, several guys that signed pro contracts and several guys that, uh, even a, a couple of guys that went to play majors and had very successful careers in the major leagues. It was fun. I loved it. I mean, when it came game time, I got so excited I could hardly stand it. But I put baseball before God. And I believe it was taken away from me. Not 
God being mean to me, but God had another plan. And I remember the summer that I couldn't play baseball any longer because they changed the age limits, and I, I was not eligible to play. But that summer, we started singing as a family. We traveled for the next 15 to 20 years, and over that time period, we saw hundreds of people receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And all I can say for that is, thank God he took it away, and he gave me something that was better. You have to understand, as your friend, God wants to love on you. He wants to just put his arms around you and embrace you. He wants to hold you close and say, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I, when my, my dad was always one of those who was never afraid to compliment. He was never afraid to, and he would say, son, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you. He never did say that about my brother. But, uh, and I, you say, well, you shouldn't say that. Well, I will call him and tell him this afternoon that I said it. Because he is also a minister, and he will be preaching today. As a matter of fact, because of my dad and mom's life, I have carried the gospel now for 45 years or whatever it is. My brother's been in ministry. Chad is our, you know, he's our son, and he is the pastor. My son-in-law is in the ministry. My nephew in Kansas City is now the pastor. I mean, you see what I'm saying? God has blessed us because my dad and mom made a choice to put God first. Parents... God may never call you to be a preacher, and that's, that's okay, but you can still put God first. But choose friendship with God over friendship with the world. And uh, Matthew 6, 24, in the Message Bible says, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving God, one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. If you love the world, so, and I just said a while ago, it's okay to love the world, I'm saying if you love the world more than you love God, you lose that close relationship. You lose that close fellowship where you can just, you just sit down with God and say, hey, God, I, I just need to talk to you today. And I, like I said, I am not one of these preachers that goes around and uses eloquent words on God because I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough to use eloquent words. But I just say, hey, God, it's me. And I need you. And I can just commune with God. And you say, do you do that? Oh, I consider it a privilege to do that. To communicate with God and just pray for my family. And telling God I love my family and ask you to keep my family safe. In Joshua 24, 15, first part of that, and I'll not read it, but it tells us that we should be, uh, you know, that we should do everything in our power to, to love God and and. and Choose today who you're going to serve, whether we serve the false gods or whether what are we going to do. But I love what Joshua says in the latter part of verse 15. He says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that your choice? Fourthly, a way to develop friendship with God is trust Him. Trust in your plan. Every friendship is built on trust. You can't if you can't trust people, you can't be real friends with them. There may be young people here that they've had friends at school that have that said they were their friends, but they turned on them and started gossiping about them. You know, you, you sever that friendship most likely because you don't want to run around with people that you cannot trust. But Psalms 91, verse 14, 
in the message says, if you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I want you to look at this. He says, if you'll hold on to me for dear life, I'll get you out of trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get me to get to know and to trust you. Trust him. Trust him in everything that you do. In your finances, trust him. I have never done anything with my finances that I felt God told me to do that he didn't bless me. God will take care of you and he will meet your needs. God is that kind of God. I can, I can honestly tell you this morning, God is my best friend forever. He is my best friend. Now, I, I, I love my wife, but she knows that she's second place to me. I don't know that I've ever said it that way. I may be in trouble when I go home, but uh, I, I'm second place to her as well because God is number one, and God is my best friend. I can, I can call on him about every time. I may try to call her and not get a hold of her, but I can always call on God. I told you that earlier. You can always call on him. So some of you feel abandoned. You feel alone. You feel like no one cares for you. No one, no one cares about what's going on in your life. You may feel like that, like I said, you may have been abused in a marriage. You may be a, been abused as, abused as a young man or a young lady. And you may feel like you're worthless. And let me tell you something, folks. In the church world today, I think we sometimes get isolated. I think we forget. I guarantee you there are people that attend D.C. Marshfield that have gone through abuse. Many people have gone through abuse, either sexual or physical or, or verbal abuse, that have suffered abuse. I guarantee it. You may not know it, but there are people, and there, I, I dare say there are probably people sitting in this service right now that you've experienced abuse. And I don't know why I feel so impressed to say that one, but you may, you, you, you say, but I, how, can we, how can we have that relationship, preacher? You told me that Adam and Eve had that relationship, but it was severed. How can I have that relationship? Matthew 27, verse 51. You may have read that before and not fully understood it and wondered, how does that relate to me? It is one of the most powerful and most important verses in the Bible for us today. Matthew 27, 51 says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. You say, that doesn't mean anything to me. And if you have read that, you have probably rushed right by it and never thought about it. Folks, let me tell you, it is so significant. Because up until the day that Jesus was crucified and this event happened where the veil was torn in two, the high priest was the only person who could go into the Holy of Holies before God himself. And that one time a year to pray for the sins of the people. The people had no divine access to God at that time. But when that veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, it was rent and it was separated. That was significant. It was symbolic of the fact we can now, as human beings, as people today, people with all of our flaws and all of our failures, 
we can have divine access to God Almighty. We can go into God and we can tell God, Lord, I've had a bad week and everything has gone wrong and my finances, I, my job, they're talking layoffs. God, I just, I don't know what I'm going to, and you can tell God all about it. Whereas before, you couldn't have that access. But when that veil was torn in half, now you and I have divine access. It was ripped up so that we could go in. And, and I believe it's Hebrews 4.16 that tells us, come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Come boldly. It means that I can go before God and I can say, God, it's me. You know, the old vernacular was that, you know, you had to back up. You didn't work hard enough. You had to back up to get your paycheck. Remember that one? Some of you look at me like I never heard it. Well, that was big one time. <laughs> but you don't have to back up before the throne room. He says, come boldly before me. And I'll grant you. I'll, I'll give you the desires of your heart. I will bless you and I will touch you. So, folks, let me tell you, uh, God wants to be your friend. Romans 5, 10 and 11 in the New Living Testament says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, while we were still sinners, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son, but not only saved. So we can now rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. I could go from this side, and I could go around the whole room, and I can point to every one of you. And I could tell you, every one of you can be a friend of God. As not only can you, He wants you to be His friend. But I, 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 I sense that there may be someone in this room this morning that you feel worthless. You feel like you're no good. Josh, would you come? And as they come to prepare to sing a song, is that you? Do you feel that God couldn't be your best friend? You may be a Christian. You may say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I just I don't feel worthy of God's love. I don't, I, I, I've made so many mistakes. Or maybe you didn't make the mistakes, but other people have wounded you and hurt you then I want you to know God sent me here with this message to tell you that if you'll just allow him in, he will be, become your best friend on Sunday, August the 4th, 2019. He will become your very best friend. And he will love on you. He will put his arms around you. There's nothing like it as a husband and wife. Just when you have those intimate times when you can just walk up and hold one another and love one another. There's nothing like it. I, I love that time. But even more so, I love it when Jesus just comes up and holds me and says, Son, I'm sure proud of you. Son, I love you. And I'm here for you. So is there someone...